And welcome to the third episode of Favorite Color Rust, the podcast. I am your host, Mark Cerny. And I am Catherine Elliott. Yes. And today we are doing part two of our Charles Manson case, and we'll be talking about the trial. But before we get started with that, I wanted to have um, just one announcement for you, and that is that we are now on Patreon. So if you want to donate some money, we will have some premium content on there for you guys to listen to as well. Yes, we will. And um, the name there is FCR Podcast. And just search for that and you should find us. So not to delay anything any further, Catherine, do you want to take us off with the trial? Yes, yes, sure. Okay. So last week, as some of you know, we covered more of the psychological and general aspects of this case. And this week we're going to be covering... Um, the court, the trials, some legal stuff, um, things like that. Um, and of course, I mean, there there are so many aspects <laughs> to this case. We could probably talk about this for a few months if we really wanted to. Um, there were so many people involved, uh, people like Squeaky Fromm, who you know, we just really, uh, we don't have time to talk about her. So I, I'm trying to narrow this down to Charles Manson, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten, because they were the ones responsible for the LaBianca and the Tate murders. So I would like to just to sort of set the scene a little bit so that people can really get an idea just how disgusting and horrific these murders were. I'm going to go through each of the victims and tell you what their injuries were. Okay. Uh, so Tate had 16 stab wounds. Folger had 28 stab wounds. Sebring had seven stab wounds and one gunshot wound. The gunshot wound was what was fatal for him. Uh, Frakowski had 51 stab wounds, 13 scalp lacerations, probably from being beaten in the head with something, and two gunshot wounds. And Parent had five gunshot wounds. Um, for the LaBianca murders, uh, Lena LaBianca had, he was found with a pillowcase over his head with a carving fork stuck in his stomach and his stomach had been scratched with, scratched with the word liar. He also had an electric cord around his neck, 13 stab wounds, 14 puncture wounds, and he was found with a knife still lodged in his neck. These are just terribly gruesome murders. Right. And they didn't even know these people. It, it's just horrific. So Rosemary LaBianca also had a pillowcase over her head and her hands were tied with, ele- with, with a, an electric cord. And she also had an electric cord around her neck. And in addition to that, 41 stab wounds. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. And then written in blood on walls and doors and things was... Uh, death to pigs, uh, the word rise, and helter skelter. So, um, this is this is what we're dealing with here. You know, it's so gruesome. I mean, what do you think, Marky? When you when you hear, <laughs> did you know about all? I did hear all of it, and I was just like shocked thinking about it because 
if you see pictures of the three women, they do seem kind of, you know, very petite and timid. And just to think of how much rage and anger must have been in them to do this kind of violence and murder is just absolutely crazy. And that's the thing that really weirds me out about this case, because they didn't seem to have a lot of rage or anger. They just blindly were following the leader, it seems. Right, exactly. If you see like interviews with them um, before, they have interviews of them before, like they did the murders and then also from the trial and things, you would just not think that they would have this in them, which is exactly right what you're saying is the really scary part. Right. It just makes you feel like if if they could do it, who else is capable of doing something like this? And um, I forgot to mention last week, and this is kind of relevant now um, as far as just Charles Manson's character. There was a time before uh, the family where he was a pimp. He He was pimping out women. I did not know that. Yeah. And he developed a lot of manipulation skills from doing that. And he brought a lot of those skills to the family. So the legality of all of this, like we were saying, they, these women probably would not have committed murder if it had not been for Charles Manson. They do not have anything in their history really that would have, you know, let, no one would have expected this or, you know, even looking back, they just did not seem to have any intention to murder. Um, So it kind of makes you wonder, were they insane during the time of this? Because we know from their accounts that they were very, very, very high on acid. So maybe like drug induced insanity. Yeah, which is a thing, <laughs> but and either uh, who was it? It was um, I think it was Krenwinkel. She tried. Yes, it was. Um, she tried to plea insanity at one point, but it was too late because she had already. Um, I think she had already pled guilty, but but the judge wouldn't have it. It was it was too late. Uh, anyway, the relationship between uh, Manson, Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten falls under the People versus Kobe uh, in California. And that says, virtually the only method by which a conspiracy can be proved is by circumstantial evidence, the actions of the parties as they bear upon common design. And it just goes on and on. But and to paraphrase the rest of it, basically says, Proof of prior occurrences, such as conversations, writings, acts done, can establish purpose and intent of conspiracy. So whatever the proof is, it's up to the jury to decide. So they were essentially found guilty through a willingness to conspire with Charles Manson. When when Charles was being tried, I know that they were all sitting outside the courthouse with X's carved on their forehead because... Right, I think that's the image I'm thinking of then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they were all there together, but just tried separately. It all comes down to control on Manson's part. He directed these murders. And if you think about it, it becomes a little... For me, anyway, it became a little bit less complicated for me when I started to make connections to other people in history who 
didn't lift a finger but killed a ton of people like Hitler. None of these murders would have happened without Charles Manson. He knew what he was doing. So all three of the women, they admitted to the murders after hearing them on TV. Atkins was um, admitted and she told inmates that she they were watching the news and the whole thing was on the news and she admitted to her inmates that that's not how it went down. And the inmate- Right. The, um, her cellmate, I believe, was sort of like a- informant because they they weren't looking for you know a woman that would be doing these crimes yeah and that kind of goes into she doesn't seem to have any kind of remorse at all to me it kind of read like she was proud and frustrated that the murders were being misreported right i read that too Mm mm-hmm so she really kind of wanted credit for it. That's how it seemed to me. And did it, Catherine? Is that how it seemed to you? It is. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, for Grenwinkel and uh, Van Houten, Diane Lake, um, her testimony basically was the thing that did the, the two of them. And with Krenwinkel, she informed the jury that um, Krenwinkel admitted that she dragged Abigail Folger from her bedroom to her living room. So she gave details. Um, And then for Van Houten, Diane Lake testified that she told her that um, she had stabbed a dead body. I'm still a little bit personally hung up on the insanity thing. Like is being brainwashed a form of insanity? What what is the line there? Right. That is really a a tricky line. I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe yes, depending on what they did. But I think once you get down to the murder and all that kind of stuff, I don't think that being brainwashed should be a reason to get off or a reason why insanity plea would be accepted. Yeah. I guess I'm curious about how you get to the point. And we've seen this keeps happening and happening throughout history. What is it that makes people so susceptible like you can be a normal person, all of a sudden someone comes into your life, they brainwash you, and then you're killed. You know, and I don't think that that can happen to like a, to everybody, but it obviously can happen to. I mean, look at look at Nazi Germany. Look mm-hmm. at look at our current political situation. I mean, we've got. There's so many factors that have to go into it. It's got to be like the perfect storm of things mm-hmm. for it to work out in certain ways like that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Although I may be wrong, I don't know, but that's just what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, what's the thing? Like nobody knows and that's why it's so unsettling. And it's like you can't really take the person's word that for certain that you're, you're talking to about it because they're kind of crazy too. So it's right. like, how do you get some really valid information? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just reclaiming my drink. I'm having a cocktail. <laughs> oh, I'll pour myself a glass of wine. What what kind there of cocktail are you drinking? I'm actually having orange juice and um, not tequila. I can't think right now. Orange juice and bourbon. 
It's actually really, really good. That's interesting. I know it sounds like it would be disgusting, but it's actually really <laughs> Very good. I don't know if we'll leave that part in or not, but whatever. I was just saying that's why I wasn't speaking. is because I was reclaiming my drink. And there's this cool little mute button that I've been using that's underneath the hand button. Did you see that? Oh, cool. So, like, I've been clearing my throat, but you haven't been able to hear it, right? Oh, I have not heard it. Good. That's really good to know. So what I know about the trial is that there's a couple interesting things that went on. Um, while the women were on trial, Manson would somehow get little notes to them or little pieces of information mm-hmm. to them, supposedly through the attorneys. Um, and that's why you'll see at some points, you know, they had shaved their heads or um, another point they had carved, you know, um, cross into their foreheads. Mm-hmm. So there's little ways that he's able to get information to the three women dur- throughout the trial. Yeah, what I'm you- surprised that they were willing to pass those notes along. Right. And then I think it also just showed how much control he had over them, even not having any physical contact with them. Mm-hmm. He could still make them do these crazy things. There is also another claim that um, I heard, I was watching the documentary, and I can't remember which of the women said it, but she was claiming that her defense uh, lawyers would give them acid before they testified. The defense lawyers would do that? Yeah, she said that the defense lawyers would give Whoa. them their, you know, them acid before they would testify, which is why you'll see if you go look up the case and see trial footage that they're saying these crazy things, they're looking off into space. That's I think crazy. It's a, yeah, it's a crazy thing to do. I mean, I don't know if I would put it past. I don't know anything about their defense attorney, so I shouldn't say I shouldn't put it past them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, who knows? It could be acid flashbacks as well. Well, that's the thing with acid. Not, you know, it's it's one of those drugs that can make you permanently crazy. Right. It really does ruin your brain if you take too much of it for too long a period of time. And according to the things that I was watching and and reading, it sounds like they were just constantly, constantly on the stuff. Yeah, I think it's scary. I don't know. People say that there's been cases where like people have taken it once and they like thought they could fly and, you know, jumped off out of the building. Yeah, I feel like I would be that person. To sum this up, though, I think that what we want to tell everybody is that, you know, everybody was convicted. Um, they were all in for life. Charles. 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 We call, last yeah. week we were calling him Charles. Every time. Charles. Um, <laughs> he ended up dying in um, prison as well. Hammer. And they were all sentenced to death originally, but then California changed the rule about the death penalty. And they all got moved over to just life in prison. Right. And then throughout the years, they've been, um, every time their parole and everything has come up, they have um, asked, you know, to be released and saying that they have been found God and are different people now and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't buy it. I think they should be stuck there forever. Yes. I don't care what happens to them as long as they stay there. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah, I don't either. Me neither. All right. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. I think we agreed on pretty much everything. But yeah, I have no sympathy for them. I don't care what's How you know. Can what you? Look what they yeah. did for no reason. Yeah. I the, don't care. No yeah. reason. It, the whole thing is just completely senseless, pointless. They killed a pregnant woman. 
and the baby, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it's just the whole thing is just so repulsive. So yeah, it's just that's the big combination. Um, next week we are going to be doing a missing persons case. Um, I will be choosing the case for next week, so I will be your moderator. Who went missing, or is it a mystery? It is a mystery. I'm not going to tell you yet. Yes. So look for um, a post on Facebook and Twitter and all that. But other than that, thank you for listening, Catherine. Thank you as well. Thank Always you, Mark. A Always a pleasure. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. But you can still say your your little spiel. Um. No. Let's save it for next week. (laughs) Oh no, Mark. I don't want to. Oh, I love us.